Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Welcome to Financially Ever After. I am your host, Stacey Francis. And today on our podcast, we're going to be interviewing Wendy Sterling, who is a divorce coach and a divorce recovery specialist. She has worked with hundreds of women, helping them overcome divorce and move to a place of empowerment. In fact, after learning about her own unexpected divorce, she realized that it actually was a gift. And it was an empowering experience that she explains happened for her and not necessarily to her. She shares her journey and in particularly her difficulty with setting boundaries during her marriage and actually in her post-divorce life with her ex-husband. But she has become a boundary ninja. And I learned so much from this podcast because I myself, I am a people pleaser through and through. And it's really been only in these last, well, decade or so that I've come to a place to create boundaries. And what we talk about and one of the challenges that we as women find difficult when we are setting boundaries is that it's about self-love. It's hard to set a boundary if you don't believe you're worth it. And Wendy talks about this. She talks about how in our lowest of low times, how we can stand up for ourselves, how we can communicate our boundaries, we can reinforce them, and how to deal with a spouse or ex-spouse that doesn't respect them in a way that is not adversarial, that is very clear and very peaceful. At the same time, she leaves us with a really important piece of information of how you can start to set boundaries now and that first step of learning to just say no, not using explanations why, but really just standing in your power and saying no. I know that you are going to love, love, love this podcast. And I encourage you to take a look at her wonderful website. It's wendysterling.net. You can learn all about her programs through the Divorce Rehab, her amazing, amazing community of women, and most importantly, start your journey to being a boundary ninja yourself. So without further ado, I'd love to have you And everyone, welcome our guest today, Wendy Sterling of The Divorce Rehab. Wendy, it's great to have you here. And as I mentioned in your introduction, you're a divorce coach and a divorce recovery specialist. I think that's really fascinating. I'd love to hear about your story. And I'd also love to hear how you've built this amazing community of women going through and after divorce, you know, helping support them. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me here today. I'm very honored to be a guest. 
So my story is probably going to sound familiar to a lot of people listening, you know, and as well, a lot of the emotions. So what I believe is that divorce can be the most empowering experience that anybody can go through to find their true voice and identity, to start designing and creating a life that they love from a place of confidence instead of feeling stuck wherever it is that they are. And that was me about four and a half years ago, where I was confronted with the negative stigma of divorce. You know, about four and a half years ago, I'll never forget that night where my now ex-husband and I were driving home from a couple's night out. And we were coming up and over the hill. I live in Los Angeles and a colleague called on the phone not once, but five times. And in that moment, I received a punch in my gut like I have never felt in my life or perhaps I never paid attention to until that night. And it was in that moment that I was praying every which way to Sunday that I was wrong. And unfortunately, what I came to learn shortly thereafter was that everything that my gut punch told me was actually true. And I had been you know, I had had a successful 20-year career in corporate America. I was in ad sales in the digital space, working for very high-end and premier women's lifestyle brands like Refinery29 and Who, What, Where. And I was at the height of my career, leading teams, building regions, inspiring my clients and doing things differently. And what I realized in that moment that night was that I had completely lost myself, not me as a corporate executive, but Wendy. And I knew who I was in corporate. I knew who I was as a wife. I knew who I was as a mother, a daughter, a sister, but Mm -hmm. I didn't know who I was. And it was in that moment that I realized that I had completely lost myself and sacrificed myself in my marriage. And I had only known my reflection through my ex-husband's eyes. And I decided to take that time to figure out who the heck I was and how it was that I got here. At the time, you know, we were the perfect facade, the perfect Facebook couple and family. And it was, you know, I'm not what divorced women look like. This doesn't happen to me. And what I learned over the course of the next year and when I learned about life coaching I realized that this was actually a gift and that my divorce was happening for me, not to me, because it was my wake-up call to start living my life for myself instead of sacrificing me for the good of everyone else, because all it did was turn me into not the best version of myself. And I decided not only was I going to file for divorce, but that I also was going to leave corporate America and I was going to start my own business. The reason being that once I had hired a coach, I also then enrolled myself to become certified as one. And it was in those you know, six months that I was doing the work on myself differently than I had been in therapy that I realized that there was something unique and special to what coaching is all about. And that was really leaning into the vision of the life I wanted, leaning into who it was that I had become as a result of the last 40 years of my life. And I had created a life that my ex-husband wanted. It wasn't what I wanted. And it was in that Mm -hmm. moment that I felt so incredibly empowered to start creating the life I wanted. And that was to start my own business. And I loved being a mentor. I loved inspiring my team. I loved speaking in front of my clients and just getting people excited and, you know, trying new things and 
getting them to really tap into what their own personal excellence was. And I realized that I could do that for myself. You know, in corporate America, I had, I was the person that they brought in to build multi-million dollar regions. And I did that successfully for a lot of businesses. And I knew I could do it for myself. I just didn't have the courage until yeah. the divorce. It's and so interesting, Wendy, because we can know ourselves as we show up at work, right? We've got that identity. We're comfortable with that identity. We've got our identity as a mom with our kids and the identity as a daughter and how we interact with our, our parents, our friends. But when it comes to just you, Wendy, and who she is inside for her, that's where it can become really hard. And, you know, who are we? Who am I? And you can think back to different times in your life where you saw that version of you and a part may fit, but a part may not. And how do you go through that recovery? How do you start to put those pieces together to figure out, you know, who are you? And even more importantly, what do I want to be? Who do I want to be? Thinking back, and I love my parents, very close to them, love my grandparents who are now deceased, but I had grown up in a family where I was raised in a very traditional home. Girls, you know, sit pretty, (laughs) keep their mouth shut. And I was anything but that. I was very outspoken as a little girl. I, my nickname was monkey because I was into everything and I was always, you know, sharing opinions. And I do remember when I was told I was wrong and that I needed to be quiet and to sit down because my opinion differed from my family. And it was in that moment that I know is when I stopped being me and I started becoming what was expected of me. And I duplicated that same thing in my marriage. You know, my parents and my grandparents, you know, Holocaust survivors and first generation born here in the United States. So I now view it as my parents did the best that they could. They did what they knew and what they were capable of doing in raising my sister and I. However, I knew that I had lost myself a really long time ago. And part of my own discovery process and part of my recovery was really about having to confront everything about myself, including the stuff that I tried to hide from everyone or I didn't want other people to know about. And it really wasn't until I started sort of, you know, what I say is like owning my side of the street and how it was that I showed up in my marriage. It wasn't until I was able to really confront myself and admit to myself and most importantly, start taking responsibility for who I had become, who I had allowed myself to be and who I was in relationship to my now ex-husband. And I think that one of the steps that people forget to take in their recovery process is really confronting the not so good stuff because we don't want to admit it. We don't want to see it. And it really isn't until you uncover it and you accept that it has gotten you to where you are. And now you have the opportunity to actually do it differently. And that was one of my biggest, biggest lessons in my own experience was holy crap, I picked fights to get attention. I was a really bad communicator. I told stories in my head thinking he could hear me. And then I would get mad at him. And he's like, what, like, where did this come from? Right. And I'm like, how do you not know what's going on inside of my head? (laughs) You know, and it was, (laughs) it was in these moments. Now I don't take responsibility for his choices. 
I take responsibility for my role in the breakdown of my marriage and who it was that I showed up as. And it wasn't until I accepted that that was my past and I actually have a choice to do things differently that I wasn't able to get over. That's why a lot of people say all the time, why am I stuck? Why am I stuck? And they're pointing fingers when you got to start here with you. So you also talk about boundaries and Mm -hmm. I find that it's really hard to set boundaries because essentially it's, it's kind of sticking up for yourself. It's saying, Mm -hmm. I deserve to be treated this way and setting boundaries. And how can you make sure that you are setting boundaries, that you're not making mistakes, setting boundaries as you're starting to rebuild your self-confidence, as you're starting to, to become this person you want to be, but you might not feel worthy. You may not feel worthy. And, And I will tell you, I struggle with boundaries. I am a people pleaser. And I will be honest, I remember in college trying to make friends by making them cookies by collecting their mail when I go, went to go pick up my mail, hoping that if I was nice enough and pretty enough that people would like me. And trust me, boundaries were not <laughs> anywhere near my language. And it really wasn't until later in life as I, I grew my own self-confidence that I started to set boundaries because finally I felt like I'm worthwhile. I deserve not to be trampled over. I deserve to be mm-hmm. treated in a nice way. So what would you recommend to the women who are listening who maybe haven't been able to set boundaries really well in their marriage, but desperately need to do so as they start down this path of you know, getting divorced and afterwards? Yeah, you know, I actually, I call boundaries sort of like the secret, secret weapon in your divorce recovery because it encompasses so many different aspects of how it is that you get to move forward in creating your next life. I'm really big on definition. So just so everybody listening, you know, understands the way that I define a boundary, it's really rules or guidelines by which you are asking other people to treat you and in turn, how you are looking to be treated in return. It's where I end and where somebody else begins. And the the metaphor I always give is, you know, the dirty dancing, you know, Patrick Swayze, this is my dance space. This is your dance space. That's how I define boundaries. And a lot of times people get afraid of setting boundaries because they don't want to, they don't want to disturb somebody else's peace. You're used to putting other people first, right? That's where becoming a people pleaser, you're putting other people's needs ahead of your own. And what boundary setting actually does is it allows you to not only put yourself first, but it allows you to start standing in your own integrity that you matter and that you you deserve to be respected and heard. And boundaries are really about honoring what your needs are. It's not about judging other people or other people's choices. And it's something that takes practice. It's not like you set a boundary and you're done. It, it's like a muscle that you get to work out at the gym. You know, boundary setting is something that you do with everyone in your life, your kids, your parents, your friends, your co-parent, you know, colleagues. Boundaries are important in all aspects of your life. And they are meant to identify what it is that you like, what you don't like, what you will tolerate, what you will not tolerate. And so many times people get so nervous because the boundaries that they set don't come from a place of confidence or they're too loose or they're too rigid. 
And, you know, it's kind of like the Goldilocks, like it gets to be, you know, <laughs> just right. Yeah, and that's somewhere yeah. in the middle, which is firm and flexible. So when you are bending to what somebody else wants and you're feeling that dissonance inside of you, when you're engaging in someone in a conversation with somebody, you're actually giving away your power when you are conceding and you are, ta- you are taking on responsibility for what their response is going to be to your word. So you're taking in their feelings and emotions and ranking them higher than your own. And so what it is that you are doing is that you are distrusting yourself. You're not building respect. You're not building self-love and you're not honoring your boundaries. Yeah. And, and not being a very good role model for our kids. And yes. one of the things I have slowly learned about boundaries, because bless, I've made many, many mistakes and continue to do so. If you're not confident in your boundaries and if you're not willing to stand up for them, it becomes very confusing for the other person to know what the boundaries really are. And the main the the main reasons that people are don't set boundaries is the guilt. Yeah. And then the most common fears that I hear all the time and please let me level set. I was a horrible boundary setter until my divorce. I had no boundaries cuz I was a people pleaser as well, like my whole life. And it's fear of judgment, it's fear of resentment, it's fear of abandonment and it's fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. And those are the four main fears that are most common as it relates to boundary setting. And as people pleasers, you are that you want to keep being that dependable go-to person, right? You make everything better. I can fix anything for anybody, even if it's not something I want to do. You do yeah. it anyway. And the hardest word that people pleasers, like the hardest word to say for them is no. And no is the most powerful boundary that you can set with anybody in your life. It sounds hard yet simple, but it is the easiest boundary that you get to start setting in your life because what it is, is that you are actually standing up for yourself. You are taking into account that you matter that you are valued, that you come first. And it's, you know, it's the analogy or the metaphor of like, you get to put your oxygen mask on first before you assist, you know, your kids, like you're on an airplane. And this is no different. This is putting your oxygen mask on first. So a question I have, Wendy, I have a teenager. So anyone or just children in general, we know love to test boundaries. So Oh, yes. I think we're we're pretty comfortable with that in, in how you deal with, of course, children, but your soon-to-be ex-spouse or ex-spouse can also be testing your boundaries. Mm-hmm. Having the kids show up after a weekend with them an hour late, calling last minute, I can't take them this weekend because of XYZ business trip, was supposed to go over homework to help prepare for the geometry exam that your son has tomorrow and gets home from work late. So these are all tests against those boundaries. Mm-hmm. What do you do when you have an adult who's not respecting your boundaries? I, I wish there was like a boundary police that you could call that would come in with their sirens and set it out. But unfortunately, 
we're our own boundary police. What do you do if someone's not respecting that? Yeah. So, so in this, these, those are great examples, Stacey, because I hear those all the time, especially the not respecting custody or planning trips and being like, you get to take the kids and, you know, instead of respecting custody schedules. And, you know, it's one of those situations where, you know, when you set boundaries, they're firm, but they're flexible. So, and the key to setting boundaries is consequence. And that doesn't mean punishment. Okay. Cause I know a lot of people, they hear consequence and you're like, oh, that's a punishment. How am I supposed to punish a grown up? That's not what a consequence means. So, in a situation, for example, where let's say your co parent is late dropping the kids off and they didn't text you ahead of time to give you notice, the way in which I would recommend to my client, and, and to be honest, this is how I would do it, you know, with my co parent is letting them know again, you take the emotion out. It's neutral, it's firm yet flexible. You have a confident tone, less is more when you set boundaries and you simply state, the next time you're going to be late, I would really appreciate just a heads up and a text message next time. Thank you so much. Not a why, because the problem is half the time we set boundaries, we go into explanation. Like for example, I have clients who, you know, there's co-parents who want to you know, trade custody days, or can I have, you know, can you take them a little bit earlier? And, you know, and this honestly just happened to me last night where I was engaging in this exact conversation with my ex-husband where, you know, you start going, well, you know, I guess I could because I have this and then I have that and did And you've totally weakened your position. A simple, unfortunately, that does not work for me. I'm really sorry. Done. Or, Perhaps yeah. if you give me more notice next time, I might be able to accommodate you, but I can't this time. End of story. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we feel so obligated to defend ourselves when we set a boundary, but what happens is, exactly. Yep. But what happens is, is you're weakening your position. So you know what you do? You're opening up the gates to negotiation. Mm-hmm. If there is no carrot that you're dangling, there is, they're not going to grab it. So it's really important that what, you know, whatever your response is to the situation, it's about coming from a place of respect and you, and you use kindness and you make it about you. I would appreciate not you're late, you, this, you, you, you is not going to get you the response that you want. It's, I would appreciate a text message. If you're going to be late the next time you drop the kids off, thank you. And if he or she does not do it the next time, then you clearly state that if the next time, if they're going to be delayed, that there's X, Y, or Z consequence. Maybe it's, if you're going to be delayed, then you're going to need to bring them the next day because that doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times we're afraid. This is one of the mistakes that I hear. Oh, they're going to take it out on the kids. That's a story. Mm -hmm. And now if people are in, you know, different circumstances within an abusive marriage, like totally different circumstances, right? Like I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that that's not a possibility in those homes. However, half the time that, you know, we have these fears, it's based on story that do you have facts to back up that story? Or are you just going there because of your own fear? Fear's not real. It's based on story. Yeah. And it's interesting, a lot of these boundaries should have been set in the divorce agreement. Yes. So I I know that you can't 
can't map out every circumstance and every scenario, but making sure that your custody agreement is very clear about days, weekends, vacations, school trips, as many eventualities as you can possibly put in there. And also on the financial, because there are boundaries on the financial of who is paying for add-ons, what percentage, by which date should they be reimbursed, mm-hmm. all these pieces. And I just and spoke are to receipts a, required or yeah, you know, exactly. how do you like, go what, what about does that look like? approval? Exactly. Yeah. And I just talked to a woman yesterday, lovely. And she said, well, my husband and I were going through the divorce and and what do you think? He's thinking about just having a credit card and anything I need to buy for the kids, I'll put on that credit card and then he'll just he'll just pay it and we'll continue to do that after the divorce. And she said, What do you what do you think about that? And that way we don't have to have anything in the agreement. You have to worry about any lawyer's fees. And my first thought was, that is an awful idea. Yes. It's an awful idea. You know, and Wendy, I'd love for you to jump in. Like, why is that an awful idea? Well, it's an awful idea because you're leaving wiggle room for, you know, for negotiation. You're leaving wiggle room for them coming back and saying, I'm not paying that. You get to reimburse me. You know, I'm so glad that you're bringing this up because, you know, the first thing that I always default to with my clients is what does your judgment say? What does your divorce decree say? What is stated in there? And so many times people have not been thoughtful enough ahead of time. Yeah. to think about these situations. You know, thankfully I had a wonderful team, a lawyer, a financial planner, as well as, you know, a coach and a therapist going through my own divorce and they all had my best interest in mind. And part of that was ensuring that I didn't have to deal with him very often after divorce because our divorce was not amicable at the time. We are, we are more friendly now than we've been in a very long time. Thank goodness. However, I do believe that part of that is a result of our judgment is crystal clear, crystal clear. And it has the boundaries there for you to give you the structure. Exactly. Exactly. And especially as it comes to finances, I mean, we get so emotional around money and it's something that at the time, you know, again, this is another boundary making mistake is you believe that they're going to be the same, you know, they're going to be a good guy. They're going to want to be my friend. Oh, they're my co-parent. And you you trust them. And it's not that I'm saying don't trust. What I'm actually saying instead is protect yourself. Just protect yourself. If that's who they're going to be, then this adding this in isn't going to be a big deal. Uh So just put it in there to save yourself aggravation on the back end. Because once it's done, it's done. You cannot go back. And if there is an ounce of wiggle room, they're going to take it. Mm-hmm. One so. of the challenges I see is not discussing college, especially, oh, yes. especially with younger children, because it can feel so far, far off. Yeah. And then you come to the day where it's two years away and there's no agreement. Yep. Who's going to pay? And we know colleges, at least here in the U.S., you're looking at a private school, 50000 a year, $60,000 a year, which is well above the average wage in America, right, per yep. year. So how do you do that? How does that work? And, you know, the clearer that you can be, the better. So I know we've gone through a lot, but there's another question I have. If someone has had a hard time in their past setting boundaries, 
what is one easy boundary that someone could start setting today? I'm going to give two because I mentioned one earlier, which is learning how to say no without an explanation and doing so from a place of kindness and respect. You know, unfortunately that doesn't work for me or, you know, that just, that, that's not going to be doable this time. Like saying no with kindness and respect is boundary number one. The other boundary that I want to give to people is actually just language that they can use until they get their wits about them and choose to respond instead of react when they feel a boundary being stepped on. And two of my most favorite lines that I'll share with your audience today are, hmm, interesting. Love it. Drop the mic. Hmm. Hmm, Interesting. And then the second one that I love is, I guess we're going to have to agree to disagree. You're not saying you're an idiot, you're wrong, I'm right. Hmm, I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree on this subject. And I can't tell you how many times I've used that line. Oh my goodness. It's a good yeah. one. And it, it just, it literally, it like stops it in the tracks. Yeah. And it's not disrespectful. And I think that's, and it's also yes. not escalating. Yes. And I think those are all really important things because, you know, I know when I get, get angry with my husband, I have a real hard time behaving myself and making sure that I'm not going off the deep end. Right. Sure. And I consciously am saying, Stacy, come on, this is not a big <laughs> deal. I'm like coaching myself. And from now on, I will channel, <laughs> I will channel you, Wendy. But that's true. And it's a great way where you're setting your boundary. And you're stopping. And I so agree with you that we have such a tendency to explain. Yeah. And it well, doesn't have to happen. No. And, you know, part of that, I, I'm actually writing an article about this right now, which has to do with, you know, because we are in a society of instant gratification, we think that we have to be automatic in our responses. And what that does is it like, you know, the word you said before, like you're creating a situation for yourself and your co-parent that escalates fast. And what I encourage my clients to do is to, to resist the urge to react, to, to just go at it with gut feeling. And you, just because they are texting you, it doesn't mean you have to reply in that moment. You get to, I call it the power and the pause. You get to take a minute and take a breath and have your initial reaction, become aware of it and then go, okay, like I need an hour to like calm down and come at this from a whole other mental place. And a lot of times we're afraid, even in the divorce process, right? I tell my clients this all the time because I consult with them when they are in mediation. And I tell them, If you are feeling your body is telling you something, listen to it and ask for a break, ask for a break before you make a choice that is going to impact your future. And it's the same thing. You have to be careful what you put in writing. (laughs) If you are engaging in email or text messaging, you have to be aware. Take a minute. You do not owe them. Your time is valuable. Time is a big boundary that people don't set. You know, time is something people don't set boundaries around enough. Uh And your time is valuable. So they don't get to have the instant gratification. You get to take a second, take a beat before you engage. Yep. I feel like this is so helpful in so many different I know this is great for this is good for (laughs) divorce or not divorce. Like exactly so important. Exactly. Whether it's at work or (laughs) it's waiting, you know, for your cappuccino and 
it's taking <laughs> 10 minutes or us New Yorkers, two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Talk Wendy, about it was, <laughs> I know. I know. Such a joy to have you here. How can our wonderful listeners find out about your company, The Divorce Rehab? Because I know you have also some great programs, really great conferences and all online too, which is wonderful. And I think some in person as well that you've done in the past. Yes, I do. Thank you so much. So everybody can find all the goodness that is The Divorce Rehab on my website. It's actually my name. So it's wendysterling.net. So that's W-E-N-D-Y-S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G.net. And there you can find a ton of resources. I've got a a ton of free downloadable one sheets to assist you wherever it is that you are in your process. I also do host workshops and I do summits and you can find all of that under the events in my, on my website. And then I also have created, I mean, because boundaries is such a crucial element to anybody, I've created a course around it and you can find that on my website as well under, under my services. I forget which tab it's under, but it's, it's in there. And then I also offer, you know, you know, the thing that I I hear the most is that, you know, a lot of times friends and family don't understand what I'm going through. They don't, you know, they're, they, they're loving, but they don't get it. And so one of the things that I always offer to anybody who lands on my website, it's there is the opportunity to jump on a complimentary 15 minute support call, because at the end of the day, my mission is really to help change the conversation around divorce and to be one of empowerment instead of shame. And I may not be the right person and I'm totally okay with that. But what is most important to me is getting any, any human being on this planet, the support that they get to have. And I have a wealth of friends such as you and so many other incredible colleagues at my disposal that I can connect you with that are vetted, that are trustworthy. Don't go to, you know, Google, going to Google isn't always the best decision, but getting a trusted word of mouth referral is really important. So I offer that. And then, as you know, I also have a podcast. It's called The Divorce Woman's Guide, which Stacey will be a guest on as well, which I'm really excited to have you on board with. And so if anybody wants to schedule a call with me, all you have to do is go to contactwendy.com and it brings up my calendar and I'm at your disposal. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Wendy, and look forward to continuing the, the conversation. Thank you again for being here. Same. Thank you so much, Stacey. I'm hoping after today's podcast that you are now a boundary ninja. I know that I may not have my black belt, but I feel like I'm, I'm well on the way. If you have any questions about your finances and we become, want to become a financial ninja, reach out. We have a fabulous, fabulous second opinion service where we can look over your finances and tell you if you're on track everything looks perfect, or if there are some tweaks or some things, changes that need to be made along the way. A statistic that keeps me up every night is one out of three divorced women over age 65 lives in poverty. We do not want that to be you, nor do we want that to be your friends and your dear ones that you you love. And it can be avoided because the decisions you make about your money now not only affect you in a year, two, three, five years down the line, they will affect you for the rest of your life. And it's really key and important that you understand your finances and understand where you're at and where you're doing great. 
and maybe where we have to work a little harder. That's what we're here to do. So please reach out to us and you can reach me at Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at francisfinancial.com. You can also go to our website, www.francisfinancial.com. We are here for you and it is my life's mission to help as many women as possible live a financially secure life because you deserve that. Everyone, everyone on the face of this planet deserves that. Thank you for tuning in to Financially Ever After and we will see you in two weeks.